0: Welcome to another episode of The Spotlight. Today we're going to be talking about the 1981 cult horror classic, The Evil Dead. It is entitled, Naturan de Manto, roughly translated, Book of the Dead. Now, The Evil Dead that we know today has iconic horror status, okay? But when it was released in 1991, it was far from what we see it as today. Critics hated it. Critics spit on it. It would originally debut in theaters as Book of the Dead. And this would be based on a film that Raimi did in college called Into the Woods. Now, when Into the Woods actually debuted in the theater, it was actually kind of cool what Raimi did. He had ambulances parked out front to kind of hype the movie as it's the most frightening thing that you will ever see. That people had to be taken out in ambulances because it would overload your senses and just completely scare you to death. Now, I've seen people taken out of the theater in other movies, um, paranormal activity for one. I don't I don't know how that scared someone so bad they had to be taken out on a stretcher, but I saw it with my own eyes. Um, to me, Evil Dead is completely much more horrific than paranormal activity could ever be but needless to say i mean the ambulances were just for show it wouldn't be until 1982 when they when ramey would premiere the film at the cane film festival in which stephen king was in attendance and saw the film And absolutely loved it. He ranted and he raved about it. And it was because of this uh, endorsement from Stephen King that he got New Line involved and they would distribute the film nationally. And 1983 would be when the film really started getting national attention. um, About the time when parental, you know, mother mothers against violence type groups would hear about this film and see this film and don't want their children to see this film. So... They got them on board to try to get this film banned in America. And it would soon spread worldwide because in the UK, they completely banned it. They did not want the evil dead in the UK. Hell, Rami (laughs) even went to to court in the UK to get the ban lifted and they threatened him with jail time. That That is the extremes of the evil dead are you crazy? It's it's not your typical horror film where you're just jump scared and oh, you know, he got stabbed with with a machete or finger knives or something like that. This was raw and it really had to be raw because it only had a $350,000 budget, which in 19 they started filming it in 1979. So $350,000 back then was really not a lot of money. So they had to do what they had to do. So they had to cut it raw. They had to do the special effects raw. It, it had to be done in a way that financially made sense so that they could put out the best kind of movie and do the kind of movie that they wanted to do. Well, needless to say, they ran out of budget and uh, Bruce Campbell had to have his family put up their land and their house to help finish the film. So Rami and Campbell knew that they had to make their money back because Bruce would be homeless if they didn't. So Rami, he went old school with it, man. He would show this film to anybody that would watch it. He would hang flyers on on a light post. And I would say that it worked because it spawned two sequels and a TV show. So I would say that all that hard work and the hustle that they put into getting this film out Completely worked. But enough about the history of this thing. Let's get into the fat of it all. Let's bite down and get into it. So they're at the cabin and they go into the basement and they find this book. This human fleshed wrap book with a face on it. So, old Scott here thought it would be hilarious to go upstairs and play it for everybody. The tape recorder that they found, by the way. uh, To go upstairs and play it and try to scare everybody. Well, he played the chant and lo and behold, the force, as they called it while filming it, it would awaken something dark in the woods and it would come and possess them. Now, it started off simply as uh, Cheryl's hand would just start scribbling and it would look like the book but later in the movie it, it would get a whole lot worse old Cheryl would be lured out into the into the woods and one of the scenes that's forever burned into my brain would be the tree rape scene the hell to you uh, Cheryl what's the uh, matter with you did something in the woods do this to you no it was the woods themselves <laughs> they're alive actually the trees they're alive. now the tree rape scene if you watch it as a kid you're not familiar with the term rape so uh it doesn't really affect you as much it's just more like the woods are just tearing at her you know but as an adult you're watching it going damn that's fucked up and you watch it and you you can see that Cheryl the sounds that she's making she's kind of enjoying it so but eventually she gets up and runs back into the house no one believes her they try to get out they can't okay they go back to the cabin and that is when the shit hits the fan you will die I before you one by one we will take you ah. Ah. that is when this film goes from zero to 120 in about 0.2 seconds and it will not let up until those credits roll and also you know What I like about this film is that it it takes the safe element completely out of play. Like, you're not safe in the cabin, you're not safe in the woods, you're not even safe in your car, you're safe nowhere. Thus, giving that effect of, you're out in the middle of nowhere, ain't nobody gonna save you, you can't even hide in the house to, to save you. And I think that's something that was severely lacking in horror films at the time, because, you know... You could even take Halloween, for example. I mean, Lori hid in the closet. That was kind of her safe zone. Well, he's not going to find me in here. Well, the Force, it's going to find you, and it's going to possess you, and it's going to tear your soul apart. So once Cheryl's possessed, uh, it, it gets even crazier from there. But the scene that that really sticks with me is Cheryl sticking that pencil in the in in uh, Linda's ankle, it it gets me every time. It's just I, I get it. It's it's a rubber foot, and but I get it, man. But the practical effects in this film were just outstanding. You know, for the for the budget that they had, it was something spectacular to see. I mean, I think about that scene now, and man, my ankle tingles, and it's not even my foot that got stabbed. So that's just another. One of those scenes from this movie that will be forever stuck in my brain. Now, this film really upped the violence level from anything else you had previously seen. Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was always regarded as one of the most violent films of all time. But I think The Evil Dead took it to a whole nother level. And not just the ankle-stabbing thing, man. I'm talking about full bodily dismemberment. I fear that the only way to stop those possessed by the spirits of the book is through the act of bodily dismemberment. Up until Evil Dead, you hadn't seen full-body dismemberment. This was this was whole new ground that they were walking on. I mean, yeah, you had had films where you know, they were stabbed to death, they were cut up. The The levels... Of violence and gore in this film there's no there's no wonder why it was banned in so many countries Uh, a lot of cities in America wouldn't even show it as a matter of fact up until 2016 they would not show this film in Germany it was illegal to own if you had it it was contraband if you had this film in your home and the police raided your house and found this film you're doing time just for owning the evil dead and it's like as the film progresses the violence and the gore just keep getting upped and upped and up it's like a tier system but this thing is already at the top tier and now it's trying to create a whole new level christ at times it feels like a a damn acid trip It, it just gets so crazy especially towards the end towards the climax good god poor ash he's just physically and he's he's mentally broken you bastards why are you torturing me like this why this film did an amazing job of just overloading your senses with not just audio but insane camera tricks that they did uh you know like the viewpoints that they used and the, the visual effects that they used i mean it's just there's nothing like it and let me go back to the camera work especially in this film it's excellent I mean, it's great in all three, but for this film especially, because they were desperate and they had to do it with such a budget, such a low budget, that they had to get really creative with how they shot this film to make it different from any other horror film out there. I mean, they rigged cameras onto kayaks. Uh, I think there was even a scene where Sam Raimi drove his bike through the house. They had people running through woods. They had rigs on kayaks. They had... Overhead views, first person views, I mean, just the way that they shot it was just incredible to me. To my knowledge, no other film has been shot like this, at least not in the horror genre. I mean, there was also a cool special effect that they did that wasn't really a special effect, it was just trick photography. It was really cool how they did it. It wasn't a special effect, it wasn't anything but an overhead view, like they shot down. They put the the water on the ground, and he put his hand in, and it was just shot above him. I mean, not all of them were effects. I mean, when you saw a lot of them getting beaten around, dragged down steps, hitting with, you know, I mean, they weren't really wood, but the blocks, they still hurt. That was really the actors. They were really getting beaten around and slammed around. This film didn't have a budget for stunt doubles, so they had to do everything on their own. I mean, this is just 12 people out in the woods in a cabin that they lived in, by the way, for the entire 12 weeks of shooting. They lived in this cabin. Some of the actors would occasionally get a room in town, get a hotel room to take a break from the cabin. But man, to have to live where you work, (laughs) that's a nightmare in itself. Now, uh, originally, when they first got to the cabin, there was cow shit throughout the entire cabin they had to shovel that and by they i mean bruce did most of it shoveled the shit out of the cabin and you're thinking okay well they started filming in the summer but then it got colder so they're living in this cabin in the winter there's no heat there's no electricity they had a guy cooking that couldn't cook because he was also uh what was he the lighting guy i think i think it was the lighting guy he couldn't cook for shit, so they're basically eating terribly the entire time they're shooting here. Their living conditions are unbearable. They're all sleeping on cots. I mean, they they really put in the work here. You talk about commitment. These people lived commitment. I mean, this is Morristown, Tennessee in the dead of winter. And... Wow, just it just blows my mind the level of dedication that they had while filming this. I, I don't think today's actors nowadays would even attempt such a thing. I mean, this film was so low budget, and they did what they had to. I mean, there, there's a scene. The scene with Linda chained down on the table after she had become a deadite, and he dragged her outside and dragged her down the steps. Literally dragged her down the steps. That was really her. The scene where he drug her into the woodshed and he chained her down the chainsaw that he held he when he put it to her neck but he couldn't do it but the chainsaw was legit real and legit running so bruce had to promise betsy baker before doing it that i promise i will not drop it that that's dedication man but the level of dedication surely does pay off and the presentation of it is purely Perfect. This is a film that it went against the grain, okay? Because in horror tropes before you would have a survivor girl. It would always be a girl. And in this film they flip that shit and let Ash be the survivor guy. But the thing about it is that you don't even think of Ash as gonna be the survivor at the beginning of the film. You really don't know who it's gonna be until Ash just becomes the lone survivor. So- Join us. Join us. The ending. You know, the sun's shining, he walks outside, and you think, oh, he survived the night. It's all good. And then all of a sudden, the camera raises up, charges through the house, and then runs right into Ash. Now, he really hit him with the camera. Fun fact for you. He really hit him with the camera, but that's how the film ends. But to have that not-so-happy ending... After all the mental and physical things that Ash had to endure just to get screwed in the end, uh, it just didn't happen. I mean, yeah, yeah, you had it in Friday the 13th. You know, you think about it, she's on the lake, she got her hand in the water, and then all of a sudden, Kid Jason pops up. Okay. But then that was just a dream. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, it, it pulled the same thing. You know, Nancy's mom gets pulled through the window after she gets locked in the car or whatnot. But again, that's just a dream. This was, I guess, legit. But there are some films like The Evil Dead that will go against the grain and completely do it right. Now, at the time of filming the ending for this, Rami had no intention on making an Evil Dead 2 or an Army of Darkness or a reboot or anything like that. This was it for him. This was his one shot. He was going to move on to something else. And then he went on to film Crime Wave. And that flopped, so they said, okay, well, let's make Evil Dead 2. So what I take away from The Evil Dead is that it lasts the test of time. The visual effects still look good. The camera work is still incredible to me. I mean, I've been watching The Evil Dead for, God, since I was a kid. I rented it from uh, a video store that we had called Video Attractions. And it was like uh, a 99-cent rental. So it looked cool, you know, girl getting grabbed by the throat on the cover. I thought that was pretty dope. It had evil, it had dead in the title, so I checked it out. And I ended up falling in love with it. I might have been, uh, I might have been seven, no, 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 no. I would have been eight or nine at the time when I first picked up Evil Dead. Uh, and I've been a fan ever since. I, I praise all of its glory. I also take away the fact that it, it's one of the few horror films that really just Take it to that next level and, and not just practical effects, but uh, the gore level. Uh, I can appreciate what they were trying to do with the budget that they had. And it's it's inspiring. It really is. It's like saying, hey, man, you want to go take this camera and go film a movie? Hey, Sam Rami did it for the Evil Dead. Why can't we do it? And, you know, I one day want to get to the cabin, but unfortunately it burned down years and years and years ago. The only thing left there is the fireplace, and somebody already got the time capsule. So, I would like to see the remains of the fireplace, but there's a video on YouTube if you ever wanna see what it looks like now. It's completely grown over with trees and leaves and all that, and the only thing left there is a fireplace with a big old hole in it. So, kinda pointless to make my way down to Morrison, Tennessee, break onto private property, and possibly get arrested just to see a fireplace. The Necronomicon Ex Mortis, um, still visually pleasing. Even in the first one, the second one, they gave it a little animation in the mouth. Uh, but the first one, the first time they show that book, you're just like, "Damn!" And it's not just a visual thing; it's it's the antagonist of the whole thing. You know, the tape recorder reads a passage from that book, and all this sh- all of it starts because of it. And also a big shout out to Lionsgate for finally fixing those damn blue boxes that were on my DVDs all those years ago. They took them out and made them black, made them look good. Thank you, Lionsgate. And I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode on the Evil Dead. You can send your tweets, good or bad. Don't matter. Send them to me on Twitter at 8BitRay. You can catch us on Instagram at GorillaBrain underscore because some asshole got gorillabrain straight off the bat. And just thank you. Thank you all for listening. Ooh.